Why don't we talk about your last patient? This lady is 47 years old, and I saw her about a year ago when she presented for what was at least her third consultation and opinion regarding her breast cancer. She had a mammographically detected microcalcifications done at one institution, subsequently went to a university center where she had multiple stereotactic biopsies, all of which showed DCIS, but one of which showed an infiltrating ductal carcinoma. She subsequently went to another local university. All concurred that mastectomy would be recommended with a sentinel node biopsy. She really struggled and saw numerous physicians regarding the initial surgical decision, which ultimately was a mastectomy. Prior to her surgery, she had BRCA testing. She was negative. Her postoperative pathology showed extensive intraductal carcinoma and a three-millimeter focus of invasive cancer. And so this focus of invasive cancer prompted her follow-up adventures. Basically, she researched to the max all she could find about breast cancer. She went to various different university centers where she got varying opinions And she ultimately requested and received at another institution oncotype testing. Her tumor was ER positive, PR negative, and it was her too amplified. And to no one's surprise, her oncotype score was 34, which put her in a high-risk group. Now, we're talking about a 3-millimeter lesion of invasive cancer. What was her family constellation in work? She is married. She has two young sons, and she's been a homemaker most of her life. And she's worked part-time but hasn't been employed out of the house. Very concerned about her surviving to see her children grow up. She brings to the table a substantial overlay of anxiety. She's one of these patients who has been very health focused all of her life. So at the time that she saw me, she had a list as long as your arm of homeopathic medications that she took regularly, including multiple probiotics, DHEA, flaxseed, garlic seed, CoQ10, grapeseed, and a whole list thereof. She was clearly distraught and almost perplexed by the fact that she had, quote, the healthy lifestyle. She said to me, I've done it all right in my life. She did everything right. She has no putative family history, and then this happened to her. It really upset the apple cart big time. But she ended up getting pretty aggressive standard therapy here. She got very aggressive standard therapy, which on numerous occasions I told her in my medical judgment this was not indicated. Like I said, she had gone to several university centers and came with the recommendations from some of those centers, which I really had little choice but to follow, and I wanted to take care of her. So what did she get treated? She got TC times four which I never would have given her, followed by her septin, which she is still on, and she's on hormonal therapy as well. After her chemotherapy, she was begun on her septin. 
And then I started her on tamoxifen, which was very well tolerated, but she subsequently decided that she was unable to live with further uncertainty and had her contralateral breast removed. Have you had any interactions with her husband? Her husband Mm -hmm. actually has been present at most of the office visits, though not all of them. He was there today? He was Mm -hmm. there today. He was there today. It struck me during our visit that at one point I asked her husband a direct question directed to him. And it struck me that I don't think I had heard his voice before that time. Wow. He was always there, but he was always pretty silent. So, Kathy, what was your impression of this woman? This story is interesting, but I'm still kind of not figuring out how it all comes together. Well, this is a lady who I think Pat told me five times, this is not the therapy I would recommend to her. I think this is over-treatment, and I agree. But this is a lady for which we have absolutely zero randomized data to really help us define her risk or the benefits of different therapies. So while it was very disturbing to her that she sought multiple different opinions, and essentially every oncologist she talked to told her something different. And the recommendations ran the gamut from do nothing, just take tamoxifen, to throw the book at you with an even more aggressive chemotherapy regimen with Herceptin, with Mm -hmm. hormone therapy. So I can understand how, from a patient's perspective, getting such wide diversity of opinions and yet having someone tell you, well, they're actually all equally right and equally wrong because we simply don't know, that is very disturbing to her. And she was very clear, having got all of these opinions, that she was going to get chemotherapy. So I think Pat was very much forced into deciding, do I tell this lady In essence, there are a lot of things that I'm willing to negotiate and work with patients, but I have my boundaries. And this is outside of them, and I'm not willing to participate in your care with getting chemotherapy as part of it, which at times we have to do. But knowing this lady is going to get therapy, which means she's traveling hours farther to get the same therapy that she could get much closer to home when she has two school-aged children at home and is trying to juggle all of these things. Also, it's not like she's you know asking for chemotherapy for DCIS. No, no. and I, I can't say that any of her recommendations and decisions that she's made are unreasonable. I also would not have recommended chemotherapy to this woman. I would have just tried to dissuade her not to have chemotherapy. I think as frustrated as she is with our inability to give her one concrete uniform information, she understands the reason for the uncertainty. I found a more interesting dichotomy that she came in with a long list of homeopathic supplements and very focused on balancing my hormones and boosting up my immune system. And that for me usually means someone who I think needs chemotherapy, and I'm going to have a devil of a time convincing them to take these toxic drugs. And yet she really is saying, I want everything you can give me that is within some bounds of reason that will increase my chances of being alive to raise my children through to adulthood. And even though I would have done my darndest to dissuade her from chemotherapy, I think she probably would have convinced me to do this with her. How did she do in the TC? She had no problem at all. Hmm, Just cruised right through it? Cruised right through. Hmm. Cruised right through. She was determined to cruise right through. Well, you know, I admire the fact that you want her to take care of her. You know, I think that, you know, do you feel like your relationship with her is kind of strengthening with time? Oh, absolutely. I think as I told Kathy, every now and then 
you sit down with a patient the first time, and I can give numerous examples, and within five minutes in the back of your mind, you go, here's trouble. You know that you're going to be dealing with overcoming a lot of different hurdles, and not necessarily that they're irrational or irrational demands. It's just hurdles that patients bring, hurdles that their disease brings. There are certain patients in whom, and I think we've all done this, if you schedule patients in a 15-minute slot, you inform the front desk this patient needs a double slot because they need that much time to go through it. You need that time to go through with them. And I think over the course of the last several months, she's been more open. She's been less defended in many ways. I think she's gaining confidence in the decisions that she helped make. Yes. And while she still is a bit bitter that having lived a healthy lifestyle, she had to deal with this disease. Mm -hmm. She's still very bitter that we can't tell her why this happened and that we still don't have a uniform Mm -hmm. recommendation Mm -hmm. for her. Mm -hmm. I think at the same time, she's grown in her understanding of why that is. And she's grown comfortable that what she did was right for her. And that this is what she needed to do to be able to sleep soundly at night. And I can't put a price on that peace of mind for a patient with young children. And she's very clear that while I really didn't want chemotherapy, I hated a decision to have my other breast off. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I did. I'm comfortable with the choices I made. She's not looking back in retrospect saying, I wish I hadn't done that. She had asked me a number of times before she went for her prophylactic contralateral mastectomy, and I said, from the medical point of view, this is not indicated medically, but your decision may be made on other bases. And she said today even that, you know, it was a hard decision for her to make, but now she sleeps better at night. So the last thing I want to ask both of you, and I've been asking everybody who goes through this unusual experience that you all just went through today, is what was it like? I'll start with you, Pat. Well, first of all, I learned a lot more about patients whom I thought I knew very well, and I found to know them better. And that was extremely valuable. And I think at the beginning of the day, Kathy said, and what do you want from this? And I said, I want to be a better oncologist, and I want my patients to get better care. And they all felt that way. I felt that it was valuable on two fronts. I thought that what Kathy brought to the clinic was a sense of validation, a sense of authority that the patients were most grateful for from the get-go. And I thought that they all had the sense that they were giving back as well, and they were, and we emphasized that to them. I found it very, very positive experience. Kathy? I haven't had so much fun in a long time. These are amazing ladies who, in some cases, adjusted work schedules and family schedules to be able to come to this session, and they really did come out of altruism, and they were very generous in their time and in their openness in many of the cases, sharing some pretty intimate details about this experience in their families with someone they've just met who they're not likely to see again. I feel bad I made two of them cry. I didn't didn't mean to make them cry. What happened? I think we asked them some questions that brought emotions to the surface Mm -hmm. that they've had in both cases for quite a long time. 
and have not shared them have worked very hard to keep those feelings repressed. And I think for those two ladies, it was actually a, a bit of a catharsis, a catharsis to know that this was this mm-hmm. was a safe place mm-hmm. to get this out mm-hmm. and that this part of their experience mm-hmm. is important. It's important for Pat to know mm-hmm. about all yeah. of the ways yeah. the disease and mm-hmm. the treatment impacts mm-hmm. their life so that they can have the best care. And in both instances, it really wasn't issues so much surrounding their medical care no. or their chemotherapy or even their cancer, but it was their relationships. No, more family and social issues. Family and social issues that came to the fore. 